Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. This week I want to discuss button battery ingestion in kids. This is a topic I didn't know a ton about, but I had a patient recently with this issue and it spurred me to do a little work, up my knowledge base, and I figured I'd share what I learned with you guys. When we talk about batteries, a lot of things come to mind, and it's mostly the cylinder-shaped ones. But button batteries are quite different. These are small, disc-shaped battery cells which are designed for use in small electronic devices. They're pretty common in kids' toys, watches, calculators, and hearing aids. When a patient comes in after swallowing a standard cylinder battery, we mainly get concerned about it physically getting stuck or causing an obstruction. Button batteries, though, are quite different. They have contact with the mucosal surface of the oropharynx, the esophagus, and the nasal passage, and that can actually result in transmission of current. Current transmission can cause chemical burns and necrosis via an alkaline injury, basically through release of sodium hydroxide. That tissue damage can progress rapidly and result in devastating injuries. Button batteries most commonly get stuck in the nasal passages and the esophagus, and these areas are most susceptible to injury. The narrow passages allow the battery to get lodged in there and cause destruction over time. The most common devastating injury patterns we see are viscous perforation, fistula formation, and erosion into blood vessels resulting in bleeding. And in fact, you can even get erosion into the aorta causing massive hemorrhage. Because of these dangers, we need to identify the ingestions quickly and get the battery out quickly. These batteries should be removed within two hours of presentation to avoid the complications. But removal can't be done unless we recognize that the presentation is from a battery ingestion in the first place. Most of the time, kids are brought in by a parent who says they saw the kid put a battery in their mouth. That's pretty straightforward. Sometimes, though, it'll be that there was a battery that was missing from a toy or another device. Occasionally, the parents will simply see something shiny go into the mouth, and they're not sure what it is. They may even tell you that the kid ingested a coin, which can mislead us. Coins are the most common ingestion, but batteries can look very similar, and the report that you get as to the ingestion may be pretty similar as well. Most of the time, we're talking about swallowing batteries, but we also have to remember about the batteries getting shoved up noses or into ears. These areas also have mucosal surfaces, and so erosion can occur here as well. Patients are frequently going to be asymptomatic, but they could also have the typical symptoms associated with any foreign body ingestion. That includes coughing, gagging, drooling, dysphagia, or increased work of breathing or strider if the button has gone into the airway. Additionally, if the batteries already cause damage, the patient may come in with vomiting, fever, or even hematemesis or hemoptysis. Once you've got suggestion of an ingestion, you're going to get imaging. The nice thing about batteries is that they're all radio-opaque, and they're going to show up on plain x-rays. As always, you want to get at least two views to help localize where the battery is. If the battery was put in the nose or the ear, a skull x-ray is going to be helpful, but most of the time these are swallowed, and then you're going to get a chest x-ray and perhaps a neck or abdominal film depending on what you see or what you're concerned about. As we said earlier, coin ingestions are the most common, and it can be difficult to differentiate them from a battery. Both of these are round, so how do you tell the difference? When you're looking at the object on face, if it's a battery, you may see a ring of radiolucency inside the outer edge of the object. This is the so-called halo rim. If you're looking at the on-edge view, you may see a central bulge when it's a battery. Now, this differentiation is important because most of the time, coin ingestions are relatively benign. 
Although if they get stuck in the esophagus, they need to be removed, most of the time you can wait for these things to pass spontaneously. The battery, on the other hand, we want to get out as quickly as possible. Now, we'll drop a couple of images in the show notes that help to see the differentiation between the coin and the battery. Now that we've localized the battery, we can start talking about management. The National Capital Poison Center has a great flowchart on this topic, and we'll drop that in the show notes. Let's talk about ED management. We're going to start with supportive care. If the patient has any signs of hematemesis or signs of shock, we're going to aggressively resuscitate them. We're going to look for signs and symptoms of airway obstruction and control the airway if necessary. And we want to keep the patient NPO because they may end up needing an endoscopy. Next, we're going to obtain the x-ray for localization of the battery. If the battery is in the nasal passage and it can be visualized, you can attempt to take it out with forceps, suction, or skin glue on the end of a cotton swab. Honestly, there's a number of standard approaches. All of them would be fine. If you can't visualize the battery, but it's in the nasal passage, you're probably best off getting an ENT consultation for direct visualization and removal. The visualization part is important here because you want to see if there's any necrosis to that track as well. The esophageal battery obviously is a little bit more complicated. Again, the x-ray is going to localize the battery, and if it localizes it to the esophagus, we're going to want to get an emergent consultation with either our gastroenterologist or pediatric surgeons or whoever is going to do an endoscopy. These patients should have direct visualization and removal, and again, we want to get that removal done within two hours to prevent any damage or necrosis to the surrounding tissue. There are techniques for removal without direct visualization. The most common one is placing a Foley catheter into the esophagus, inflating the balloon, and then pulling back. The problem here is that you don't visualize the mucosal surfaces, so you don't know if there's any necrosis that's already happened, and that would put the patient at risk for perforation or other complications. In addition, while you're trying to extract that battery, it can translocate from the esophagus into the airway, and now you've got an airway emergency. So it's really ideal to do this under direct visualization. If the x-ray localizes the battery distal to the esophagus, the management is a little bit different. If the patient's symptomatic or had a magnet co-ingestion, you still need to pull that battery out emergently. That means you get your GI doc or your pediatric surgeon on the phone to come in and take the thing out. If you have a battery and a magnet, this is dangerous because this can cause problems as it passes from the stomach into the intestines because they attract each other from geographically distant points, and that can cause bowel obstruction or mucosal necrosis. If the patient's asymptomatic, on the other hand, you have some options. If the battery is larger than 15 millimeters or the child's less than six years of age, you've got a lower chance of having a spontaneous passage. These patients can still be managed expectantly, but they should return in four days to have a repeat x-ray. If the battery is still in the stomach, you're going to have to get it pulled out. Now, of course, the opposite of that is that if the battery is small or the child is older, you can probably just send them home with expectant management and they're going to pass that battery just fine. In the past, we used to talk about confirming the passage of the battery by stool inspection, but this is pretty impractical. You're better off just simply scheduling the patient to have a repeat x-ray in 10 to 14 days, and if there's no passage and it's still there, then you should consider removal. But most of these patients are going to be able to go home as long as they're asymptomatic. Finally, what about the patient who had an esophageal battery and then we pulled it out? What do we do as far as continued management? Even after the battery is removed, you can have mucosal damage and necrosis. 
Usually the GI docs will do some irrigation of the area to neutralize the alkaline substances that can cause damage, but there can still be delayed damage that's seen. And so any patient who becomes symptomatic after a removal should be considered for either damage or necrosis or possibly even perforation. And rescope is not a bad idea at that point. Delayed perforation is possible. It's been described up to 20 days outside of ingestion. So again, this is something you want to ask about when a patient comes in with perforation symptoms. And then some gastroenterologists will recommend a routine repeat endoscopy, and that's really going to be based on what your consultant wants. All right, let's hit a couple of take-home points before we close for the week. Button battery ingestions are extremely dangerous. Necrosis, perforation, and erosion into vessels can occur in as little as two hours. All esophageal button batteries should be removed within two hours of presentation to minimize any mucosal damage or any sequela. Consider button battery ingestion in any child who presents with dysphagia, refusal to eat, or even hematemesis. And finally, co-ingestion of a button battery with a magnet requires emergency removal regardless of where it is in the GI system. Well, that's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google Plus, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week.